Good morning. We are glad you're here today. It's a beautiful day. It's nice to see the sun shining, and we hope and pray that it's a great day for you. We're glad to have the opportunity to be together. How many of you missed that hour of sleep last night? Anybody miss it? So did I. I asked somebody just a minute ago, actually I asked Karen Ray, I said, did you guys miss that hour of sleep last night? And she pointed in here and she said, we're getting ready to make it up right now. Look, I've put the best of them to sleep before, so I fully understand. But none of us likes giving up an hour of sleep, and I certainly don't. Been up all week, well, actually been up early the last couple of three days. Jared and I went to Murray, Kentucky Friday morning to tape some TV programs, and we left here at 6.30, and it was a long day. It was a good day, but it was a long day. I texted him late that night, and I said, are you tired? I'm tired, and uh, I understand. We're going to be looking today at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to be talking about getting lost in serving others. We live in what we might call a consumer-oriented society. For many of us, the question is often, what can you do for me? How can you help me? How can you better my life? Sometimes, how can you serve me? We all appreciate good service. We're all certainly looking for things that will better and improve our lives. And nothing wrong with being consumer-oriented from time to time. But when I think about the kingdom of God, sometimes the question that we might ask is this. Are we consumers or contributors? Are we here to give or to take? Are we here to serve or to be served? I would hope that we're here to serve, that we're here to contribute, that we are here to make a difference. In Mark chapter 10, we have an interesting account of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approaching the Lord. If you look at the parallel accounts, you'll find that they used their mother to go to Jesus and ask of Him a favor. They wanted the opportunity to sit at His right hand and His left hand when He came in glory. So I want us to look at this account for just a moment or two. Let's think first, about, first of all about the petition. Note if you would, in verse 35, the Bible says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, and they said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, you think about their request or their petition. And Jesus then replied by asking this question, What do you want me to do for you? And here it is. They said to him, Come, or, or rather grant us that we may sit, one at your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. In other words, they were looking for position. They were looking for proximity to the Lord, weren't they? It was about 
preeminence in the kingdom. They wanted to get a jump start on those who would be a part of the kingdom of God. And so in essence, what they're saying is, we're wanting a position in your kingdom. If it's all right with you, what we would really like is to have close proximity to you. We want to sit one on your right hand and the other on your left. And Jesus, of course, responded to them by saying this, you do not know what you ask. And really, I think in reality, they were clueless about the nature of the kingdom of God. They didn't understand what this kingdom was all about. They were looking for a material, a physical entity. And Jesus, of course, came to establish a spiritual institution. And so He clarifies some things for them. He said, you do not know what you ask. Can you drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And listen to what they said. We can. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with, you'll be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. So, in their jockeying for position, preeminence, proximity to His side in the kingdom, the Lord said, look, you need to understand some things. First of all, you're going you're gonna to have to face some tough times. You're going to suffer. You're going to face persecution. Times are not always going to go favorably for you. Now, one of the things that impresses me about the teaching of Jesus, He was very transparent. He had told them up front about the possibility of suffering in the kingdom. He would say, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when I think about their petition, these guys are jockeying for position in the kingdom of God. But now note, if you would, the proclamation. <clears throat> As we think about the proclamation, I want you to see a couple of things here that I think are interesting in light of what the Lord has to say. Note, if you would, in verse 41, when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. These guys were aggravated. That is, the other disciples, the other apostles were aggravated that James and John had the audacity to go to Jesus and say, look, when you come in your kingdom, we want to sit one on your right hand and, other, and the other on your left. What you need to understand is they had already been discussing among themselves about greatness in the kingdom of God. Their misunderstanding is borne out in looking at the Scriptures. So back up and look at chapter 9 for a moment in the book of Mark. 
In Mark 9, verse 33, the Bible says that when they came to Capernaum, when he was in the house, he asked them, listen to what he asked. What was it you disputed or discussed among yourselves on the road? How many times have we said busted? Gotcha. Listen to what the text says in verse 34. But they kept silent. Jesus is asking them, what was it you guys were talking about on the road? Man, they didn't say anything. As a friend of ours said one time, oh, nothing. <laughs> we didn't say anything. But note, they kept silent. For on the road they had discussed or disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Look, this wasn't a problem isolated to just James and John. This was something that they were all consumed with. They were all worried about position and jockeying in the kingdom. They all wanted a place of honor. They're looking for a position. They're looking for some prestige in this kingdom when it comes. They want proximity to, to the Lord Jesus Christ when He comes in that kingdom. And get this, they want to be considered great. You know, we talk about who's the greatest. How, how many times have you heard people talk about who's the greatest that's ever played in the NBA? Is it Michael Jordan? Is it somebody else? Who's the greatest that's ever played in the NFL? Is it Tom Brady? Is it somebody else? The greatest of all time. Look, we're all about honor and glory, aren't we? Do we not all have an ego to some extent? Sure we do. We all like we all like to be pointed out. We all like a pat on the back. We all like to be, we all like to be well thought of for the things that we do. We like honor. We like it when people say, you know what? You're a great person. You're great at what you do. These guys, they're questioning among themselves, okay, who's the greatest? And listen to what Jesus did, verse 35. The Bible says that He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Do you think they expected that? You think they expected the Lord to say, you want to be great in my kingdom? You want to be something? You want to be honored in my kingdom? Then here it is. Learn to serve other people. So what did he do? He took a little child, set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. I think about the qualities of a child. Their innocence, their sweet and gentle disposition, their humility. And Jesus is saying, let me tell you, the pathway to greatness in the kingdom, it's not what you think. 
We're not going to put a ballot out here and come up with a poll that says, John, you're the greatest, or James, you're the greatest, or Peter, you're the greatest. doesn't work that way. So these guys, they were aggravated. So what they needed to be was educated. So I want you to listen to what Jesus now says. Pick up with me if you would. Again in verse 41, When the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. It's amazing that they were mad at James and John for going to Jesus and asking for this position when, in effect, they had been jockeying for position themselves. So Jesus called them to Himself and He said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. They needed to understand something about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is different. And we talk about the world, the corporate world today, and there's a hierarchy, isn't there? A pyramid. Many times we talk about the CEO, the corporate head. We talk about a board of directors. And then you've got vice presidents. In some corporations, you have multiple vice presidents. You have other positions and other responsibilities. And what Jesus is saying is you need to understand something. The kingdom of God does not operate like the world does. It's not about hierarchy. It's not about position. It's not about prominence or preeminence. It's not about making a name for yourself. Matter of fact, it's something completely different. I remember many years ago when I was just, hadn't been out of school long, and I was involved in my first full-time work, and I was the associate preacher. I was, as they would say, I was a boy preacher. And I am green behind the ears. Never done this before. I remember the the guy that was the pulpit preacher called me into his office and he and I became great friends, close friends, and he mentored me in many ways. And I remember he sat down with me, started talking to me about the work. And I didn't know him, and I'm getting to know him, but I didn't know him. We hadn't become friends at that point in time. And so in the course of our conversation, he's talking about the work, and he said, he talked in a subtle, if not so subtle way to me. He said, you know, in the church, it's not about climbing the corporate ladder on another person's back. He never said, I don't want you to climb the corporate ladder on my back, but I knew what he meant. That's what he meant. And I've always thought about that. I've always appreciated it. Because it's not about climbing the corporate ladder in the church. It's not, a, it's not about, look at me. That I'm some great preacher or teacher of the, or that I'm something special. Look, I'm just a human being. I'm just a member of the body of Christ. We're all members of the body of Christ. We all have varying abilities and responsibilities. And so, Jesus said, you've got to understand something. The kingdom that I'm going to establish, it's not about position. 
It's not about making a name for yourself in the body. So the Lord's kingdom is different, but it's also demanding. So listen to what he says in Mark 10. Jesus said, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. Their great ones exercise authority over them. Now look at verse 43. Yet it shall not be so among you. Oh, wait a minute, Lord. What are you saying here? I'm telling you that in my kingdom, it's not about authority. It's not about position. It's not about prestige or preeminence or prominence. It's not about proximity. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Don't you know that was humbling? I mean, here you've been talking back and forth about who's the greatest. And here you are jockeying for position. You want a name for yourself in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, look, you've got to understand something. In my kingdom, the pathway to greatness is serving other people. That's a blow, isn't it? Now I want you to see a third thing very quickly in verse 45, and that is the pattern. Because Jesus is talking about servanthood and ministering to other people. So in verse 45, listen now to what Jesus said. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Let's just think about that for a minute. What about the attitude of Jesus? Jesus is saying here, look, you've got to understand. When I came into this world, my attitude was not that people are going to be serving me so much while I'm here, but my life is going to be about service. Let's think about his sacrifice. What about the Son of Man? You ever thought about what Jesus gave up to come to earth? Now we talk about greatness. The greatest of the greats. Greatest of all time. Didn't Jesus say something about coming to execute the will of the Father, being submissive to Him. And what all did that entail? Do you remember? Wasn't it Paul that said, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, counted not being on an equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself. Listen to what Paul said, taking the form of a servant being made in the likeness of men. You remember in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, without Him nothing was made that was made. And didn't John say in John chapter 1 verse 14, and the Word became flesh? We're talking about the second member of the Godhead. Leaving the glories of heaven to come to earth, to be clothed in human flesh. The Lord Jesus laid aside a lot to come to earth. 
Do you not think He made some great sacrifices? He laid aside all of that and He came with the intent of doing what? Serving people. In John chapter 13, you remember when Jesus washed the disciples' feet? And Jesus said in about verse 13, The servant is not above his master. That was an object lesson directed to whom? To the disciples. About what? About learning to serve other people. About becoming a servant. So I think about the great example of Jesus. Jesus came to serve the human family. Paul wrote, You have heard of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be rich. We're rich today because Jesus was willing to sacrifice everything, including His own life, so that we might live. We're rich today because God in heaven spared not His own Son, but freely gave Him up for us all. We're rich today because Jesus shed His blood on Calvary so that we might be redeemed with His precious blood. So what about His encouragement to the apostles? Listen now again in verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for the many. Jesus came to serve, didn't He? What's Jesus saying to the apostles? What's He saying to people of all ages? He's saying, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? You want to be something in my, in my church? Learn to, become a, learn to become a servant. We've got to get out of the consumer mentality and become contributors. I want to ask you a question today. If Jesus were to ask you point blank, you're standing toe-to-toe, face-to-face with the Son of God. He's looking you in the eyes and He asks you this question. Are you a consumer? Are you a contributor? What would you say? What would you say? If Jesus were to ask you, are you a giver or a taker? What would you say? If Jesus asked you, are you here to serve or be served? What would you say? The thrust of the lesson is getting lost in serving others. Christianity is about serving others. Now, are there byproducts to being a child of God? Are there benefits to being a Christian? Absolutely. As a result of our relationship to the Lord, we are consumers in the sense that we enjoy all spiritual blessings in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. We are a part of God's family. We're a part of the church. We're heirs of God. Join heirs with Christ. That's what Paul said, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. We have the hope of heaven. We have an inheritance. It is incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away. Look, the blessings are abundant. But what are we doing while we're here? Are you a consumer? Are you a contributor? 
When's the last time you served somebody? Now, when you think about serving others, getting lost in serving others, I think about people that, that have a lot of aches and pains. They're hurting. Life is a daily grind. You know, one of the best ways to forget about your problems in life, get busy and serve other people. When you take the emphasis off self and put it on others, you would be surprised at how much better you feel. I want to challenge you this week. Get busy and lose yourself serving someone. You say, well, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you how you can. You could serve someone this week by fixing a meal for somebody. You know somebody that's sick? Do you know anybody that's hurting and physically speaking, they just have difficulty getting in the kitchen? Fix them a meal. Buy them a meal. You don't have to fix it. You can buy it. Drop it off at their house. What about teaching somebody? You know anybody that's not a Christian? Do you know somebody that needs to hear the gospel of Christ? Teach somebody. Make it your life's aim to teach somebody the gospel. Do you know somebody who is a member of the body of Christ, but they're not faithful? You know anybody right here, member of the body of Christ, but they're not faithful? They're not where they ought to be every Sunday? Make it your aim to reach out and restore them. Talking about serving other people. You can fix somebody a meal. You can teach somebody. You can restore somebody. You can visit somebody. When's the last time you visited another person? When's the last time you knocked on somebody's door and said, you know, I'm just here to visit you for a few minutes. Here to just see if I can encourage you. Wasn't Barnabas an encourager? Yes, he was. You can visit. Look, you can pick up your telephone, your little cell phone, and you can call somebody. And just talk to them. You can send them a card. Look, there are so many opportunities for serving. You can teach a class. There are lots of opportunities. The key to being great in the kingdom of God is finding your niche. And getting busy. Do you remember Jesus asked this question many years ago? Here's what he asked. Why do you stand here idle all day? Do you think it's possible that those who are idle have what we call a consumer mentality? Look, it's not, it's not about being a consumer in the kingdom of God. It's about being a contributor. When I read about the life of Jesus... I read words like work and labor. I read words like go. Jesus was all about serving other people. I want to challenge you today as we close this lesson. I want to, I want to challenge you. Find a way to serve somebody else. Get lost in serving other people. I promise you, there are people that you can serve, you can minister to. They need your help. You'll be a blessing in their life, and they in turn will be a blessing in your life. Let's get busy.
If you're here today and you're not a child of God, could we encourage you to come to Christ, believing Jesus to be the Son of God? Would you be willing to lay aside sin in your life, confess the name of Jesus, be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away? Acts 22, 16. Become a member of the body of Christ and then get busy. As Paul said, be zealous for good works. As Paul said, be ready unto every good work. Sitting on go, ready to work. If you're here today and your life's not what it ought to be, you need to be restored. You need the prayers of the church. Why not let us pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing?